Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Everyday Gospel, where I'm going to take you through the Gospels in a shortened uh, message. You know, probably I'm hoping to aim around no more than 20 minutes, but it might be a little more, a little less. You know, we'll see. Um, last week, we went over Matthew 1 through 17, and we saw the genealogies. We got to see the, you know, the importance of genealogies and how this one was special, listing the women in there and stuff. And so this week we're going to finish chapter 1, and that's going to be verses 18 through 25. So grab your Bible and we'll start getting into it, okay? Now, let's read the text. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save the people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated, God with us. And Joseph woke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So, some interesting things here. So, one of the unique things about Matthew's gospel here. And really, the synoptic Gospels, when I say synoptic, I mean the common Gospels. That's what they're called, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay, they're called synoptic because they borrowed most likely from the same source documents. Okay, Um, a lot of Mark is in Matthew and Luke. And they kind of follow the same kind of structure. So some, you know, scholars believe looking at this that, you know, Mark was the first gospel to be put out. And then Matthew and then Luke or John, those two you kind of flip around. Um, But they're synoptic because they kind of follow the same, like, story and flow and even though some of the stories aren't in order, like we know that, um, they they have a lot of common things and things you wouldn't expect, like even words that are used 
the same way. <laughs> like it was like a literal copy over, you know, of a text, like with the same like weird wording of something. And so th this is why scholars believe that they kind of shared this core document of the gospel or whatever. Um, but nevertheless, Matthew has, each gospel has its own unique uh, flavor to it, if you will. Uh, Mark is very fast-paced. It's the shortest of the gospels. It is believed um, that, you know, he was tied to Peter. And so there's like this heavy... Uh, you know, focus on Jesus and his ministry. And it goes like straight through, like in a few chapters, you know, it covers not a lot about his childhood. It was nothing of his childhood. Basically, it's just his ministry. And he's going, you know, it's fast paced. It's like he's going here to heal. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's confronting these people all the way until we get to his death um, on the cross. And then you have um, Matthew here, which Matthew is kind of unique. Um, you know, if it's the Matthew we believe it was, he was an apostle of Jesus, and he was a tax collector. And, man, Matthew had it bad, right? Because if you know about him, being a tax collector for the Romans and you're a Jew, you're working with the enemy. You know what I mean? So Matthew had a very difficult life. Um, but Matthew, Matthew's gospel presents Jesus as the Messiah. You can make a case for that. I did a paper on that for school. But a lot of other people see it as Moses 2.0. You know, he reinterprets the law later on with the Beatitudes and stuff. He does better miracles and more things than Moses did. And so there's certain little things in this that, you know, people say, oh, man, Jesus presented as like the new Moses, you know. Um, but, you know, you could do your own study and see which one you think it is. But, um Another trademark of Matthew is these fulfillment of prophecies, which is not in a lot of the other Gospels. Matthew goes out of his way to give you insight into fulfillment of prophecies. So we saw, you know, kind of in the beginning of chapter one that, you know, the line of David is being fulfilled. This promised Messiah is coming and that's really cool and then we see here chapter 2 we actually get in verse 23 um in verse 22 it says this was fulfilled by what was spoken by the lord through the prophet and the prophet he's talking about here is isaiah and behold the virgin the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and shall cause him emmanuel god with us this was fulfilled in isaiah's time right uh a virgin so that so this is where people get hung up on okay the the word virgin here is 
a unique term. There's a, a Hebrew word for a virgin, as in she's never known a man. And there's also another word that means just young woman. That, And that's it. It doesn't necessarily imply a virgin or not. And so in the fulfillment of it in Isaiah, it was a young woman, right? But people debate then over this term, like, oh, well, is this really a prophetic fulfillment then? Because that word in Isaiah, it wasn't used that way. But if you do a word study, you can see that the word that they chose in Hebrew, which I don't have in front of me, otherwise I'd say it. Um, but basically that that word, when you do a big word study on it throughout the whole Old Testament, you will see that it is used both ways, um, both of the words. So it, it doesn't really matter. And like, you know, people can kind of get hung up on that, but it the word could be translated to mean both of those things. So there's no reason to believe that it didn't mean, you know, that she didn't know a man, like as we think of virgin. And so, um, but here Matthew takes a liberty, right? He sees that and I say, and he's like, this was something special that was fulfilled. And he's going to give us these insights into the old Testament where, Maybe the prophecy had another meaning, and a lot of times in prophecy, there is this double meaning where sometimes things are partially fulfilled or fulfilled, but ultimately it is fulfilled in in Jesus. And so this is one of those where, you know, this woman did have a son in Isaiah, but it's ultimately fulfilled this virgin part, this mir miraculous birth is talked about and you know the only one that's fit that is jesus so matthew is giving us insight into the old testament and how it relates to jesus and that's that's one of the big ones right but to kind of bring um our message as we get into the text is you know sometimes in life things just don't go the way we want you know there's been many times in my life where you know, I've endured hardship, um, whether it's financially or, you know, relationship-wise, we go through tough times or, you know, just w whatever it is we're going through health-wise, sometimes things just, you know, don't work out or things aren't going the way we think they will. And it's at those times that having a comforting presence like a loved one, or a family member um, can impact you in a very significant way. And one of those times I remember was um, in Virginia when I was a kid. And as a kid, you know, we would play at the playgrounds or whatever. And I remember we had this babysitter. And anyways, we were playing outside, me and this other girl. And I, I think John was there too, my brother. Uh, he might have been a different part of the playground because we were climbing the tree and, you know, she falls down, starts crying, runs away. I think that's a little weird. Um, then I feel pain in my head 
and I fall and I start running as fast as I can back to, uh, you know, the babysitter and I'm screaming and, you know, I put my hands in the back of my head and it's just a lot of blood. That's, that's all I remember from what happened, um, until I was in the hospital. And so when I, uh, you know, realized what was happening in the hospital, they told me I'd been shot six times in the back of my head with a BB gun and that I would need about six stitches to get it closed up after they made the incision and stuff. And so, um, it was a, you know, a scary time as a kid. And I just remember, you know, my mom being there and being that comforting presence that I needed to kind of, uh, get through that time. And so we're going to see God comforting two people here in, in this text. And so um, the first person we see that God comforts is Joseph, right? You, you put yourself in Joseph's shoes. He's an honest man. You know, the Bible speaks pretty good about Joseph. He's a righteous man. You know, he was following God. You know, and he is betrothed. You know, he's engaged. He is promised to wed Mary. And so when they're in this engagement period, it's usually about a year before they consummate the marriage and stuff and actually get married. And so Joseph, you know, during this waiting time, he finds out Mary's pregnant. Now, you know, there ain't no miracles happening at this time, right? Uh, besides Jesus, which is the start of this miraculous story. But you have to remember the history and what's going on here. The Jewish people haven't heard from God or seen any sort of miracle for over 400 years now. From the last prophet in the Old Testament, Till this point in time is 400 years. That's lifetimes. Like, think about it. They would have mouthpieces, right? Like, throughout their whole history, they've had different prophets, different kings, different people that, you know, worked on behalf of God. And now there's this era of silence. And I think that's why... Jesus's birth, like if you read in Luke's gospel, he has a lot more detailed stuff about the birth and John the Baptist and all and all of that. And what's so interesting to me about that is that how supernatural it was. And it had to be like God hadn't done anything in 400 years. So people are anxious. People are expecting they, the last they heard was they have these these little promises of a Messiah, but they're not really sure who he is, when he's coming. And they're an oppressed people. They are, you know, even though they have their own kind of like rights and Rome let them keep their religion, which is almost unheard of, um, you know, they clashed a lot. They've had many wars. And that's part of the reason why Rome 
finally let them kind of do what they wanted because they kept clashing and fighting. And so they wanted to, they felt like it was more of a hassle to keep fighting them just to, you know, give them what they wanted at times. And so there's this tension there and their, their, their view of the Messiah is one of this political figure that he's coming to usurp the Rome to take, kick them out and they're going to be Israel again. You know, and all this stuff, but that isn't why Jesus comes. He doesn't come to do that. And um, so, uh, sorry, that was kind of a rabbit trail. But getting back to Joseph, you know, he he's shocked. He's probably really hurt, too, that this woman he was pledged to has been unfaithful to him, right? At this point, no... You know, the only way you get pregnant is by having sex, right? So there's no there's no mystery about what happened. And in the Jewish law, that was a stonable uh, offense. She could be stoned and died. Now, at this time in Israel's history, like, they don't, they weren't really killing people anymore for that. But the, the women's rights were so low, you know, because they were second-class citizens, that all the man had to do was sign a paper in, in front of two other males. And they could divorce her wife for any reason. So Joseph, Joseph is thinking, like, I don't want to hurt her. I'm just going to, like, do this, like, real low-key. You know, I'm going to just sign this, have a couple of witnesses, and just let her be on her way, you know. And you could tell that he's... You know, he's bothered about it. He's invested into this woman some at this point. And God comforts Joseph by bringing what? Angels to him. To comfort him and explain what's going on. Because he's about to do this thing and like make it final like we're not together. But God sends these angels down. And what do you know? They comfort him. And they said, you know... Don't, don't send her away. You know, she's with child of the Holy Spirit. And that this is going to be like the savior of the world. So like, it's a weird thing, but like, hey, it's a miraculous thing that's going on. So don't, you know, she didn't do anything wrong. So he decides to stay with her. And that's awesome. And um, like I mentioned earlier about how the expectations of Jesus were so high at this time because it had been so long without a word from God. And here, you know, it's plain. The angels didn't say he's going to be a political leader. It says, she call his name Jesus. He will save their people from their sins. And that is his mission down here. <laughs> Not to undo Rome and rule the world, you know, that's not it. It's this. So even from the beginning, Jesus is challenging their ideas of what normal should be, like what the Messiah is going to be. And so Joseph gets comforted. That's awesome. Now, the other people that are being comforted is just the whole nation of Israel, right? Right? Because prophecy is starting to be fulfilled, like we mentioned in verse 23 here, with Isaiah, 
now they're starting to piece together the narrative. And now the Jews that have been waiting so long for the Messiah, the wheels are starting to turn. God is on the move again. We're going to see, you know, again, this is, you know, about Jesus kind of being born. And then we get uh, the story of the Magi next, which is a couple years after that. And how this miraculous star, and they're going to come down and do this. So the whole thing is just filled with these miraculous things. And we don't even get the angels praising God. We don't get the shepherd story. You know, like that's all in Luke's gospel. But the miraculous stuff is going around and people are starting to hear about this. And they're starting to hear like, oh, that's weird. Like even um, John the Baptist and his dad, right? Like when he went into the temple, he was mute when he came out. And so, you know, people were like, you know, wondering what happened. And he couldn't explain that John the Baptist was going to be this forerunner of Jesus and that there's going to be a new prophet and this and that. And so, like, God is on the move here. And he's comforting his, his people by fulfilling these scriptures like in real time for them and that what a cool time to be alive right and so god's presence is a present a gift presently okay i'm gonna say that one more time god's presence is a present presently I want you guys to think about that. God's presence is always there and it's a gift for us. Whatever we're going through, we're having a great day. Praise God. May his, we feel his presence. You know, oh, I've sinned and I've messed up. May I come to God in repentance and feel his presence. His presence we always have access to. And so whatever we're going through, you're sick, bills are stacking up, you need a job, a place to live. That's me, those two. Uh, you know, these things that weigh heavy on us because there's a time limit for us. You know, we have till the new year to, to get these two big pieces together. And we just got to trust that God's timing and we're praying and we're feeling God's presence. And we just say, hey, Lord, like guide us, lead us, do what you want with us. And, you know, ask yourself, what do you need God's presence for today? And let him be that for you. Well, I'm at 23 minutes right now, so I'm going to uh, conclude it there. And next week we'll start chapter two, okay? Hope you guys are blessed this week. Feel God's presence. And remember, God's presence is a present presently. Okay, guys. All right. Bless you guys. Bye.